Recovery Radio, KMP3, Thousand Oaks. Ah, yes. You are listening to the Recovery Radio podcast on KMP3. I am a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. I will be your host. You can email me at sarcasticbigbook at gmail. You can follow me on Instagram at sarcastic.a.book. Visit my website, recoveryradiokmp3.com, sarcasticbigbook.com, and as always, I am so glad you're here with me. I don't know if you're just getting started or it's just winding down or it's somewhere right in the middle, but here we are. You and me, I am glad Years of my life waking up wherever I was, needing to drink. I was sharing with some people this morning that I used to smoke glue. Not very popular. Model glue. I used to pour model glue on cardboard, light the model glue on fire. Smoke would come out the sides of the cardboard, and I would play it like a harmonica, and I would hear brain cells going not to return just wanted to feel different but alcohol was my master I used to wake up wherever I was and there was nothing else going on other than when was I going to get my next drink there was nothing else happening everything revolved around that Consciously, subconsciously, unconsciously, it, it was the it was my master. Drinking was not a luxury anymore. It was an absolute necessity. Like the book says, I was drinking to overcome a mental craving beyond my a craving beyond my mental control. Then I had a spiritual awakening and the desire to drink, the obsession to drink was removed. And then I got back into self and stayed in self for so long that the obsession to drink returned seemingly out of nowhere. And I did not understand why at the time I didn't understand why. I thought it was random. I thought it was punishment. I thought it was, I just didn't understand. I thought I was doing all the right things, thought I had done all the right things. And really, I was so selfish, I couldn't see my selfishness. And it returned. And so 
That's why I always say, first thing, I'm grateful I have no desire to drink today. I really try not to take that for granted. And I do have a piping hot cup of French roast coffee from Trader Joe's mixed with some Don Francisco's hazelnut. It is delicious. And no, it's not monetized. I get nothing for mentioning that every single episode. It's just so freaking good. I don't give a care. All right. I love the messages I get. I love the emails that I get. I got a message on Instagram from someone asking me to discuss how I take people specifically through the fifth and sixth columns of step four, the fear column and the sex inventory. And I feel like I have maybe covered this somewhere, but I did used to smoke glue, so I don't know. And nonetheless, happy to do it. And I think I'll just um, describe how I take people through the four step altogether. Uh, so what I will first do with the sponsee is I will read with them line by line, page 60 to 65. I will read the third step with them line by line and we will discuss it. I'll read from after the A, B, and C on page 60. Being convinced we're at step three. I'll read all that. I'll read all of that up to page 65. I'll go through the first three columns that they give an example of on that page. And I'll talk about a few things there. Specifically, I'll talk about the fact that you can't write too much here in terms of the number of resentments, you're making room for God. So knock yourself out. Nothing you write down is going to be harmful. It's going to help you. So important is when it says we are usually as definite as this example and the cause column two is so brief. Look what he says about his wife misunderstands and nags likes Brown wants to put the house in her name. It's brief. He doesn't get into this big story. Doesn't get into all these details because it doesn't really matter. We'll talk about that, how column two is really a trick to get you to actually get to the part where you can do a searching and fearless moral inventory of yourself and not of, ever, of, of other people. So I'll talk about that. How columns one through three are kind of a bridge from um, doing this from a perspective of self-centeredness to hopefully um, prepare to look at it from an entirely different angle, like it says on page 66 in the bottom. Last full paragraph, we turn back to the list for help the key to the future. We're prepared to look at it from an entirely different angle. I'll talk about that. And the other thing I go over the first three columns is the fact that it says we went back through our lives, nothing counted but thoroughness and honesty. So 
I always tell the people I'm working with, no matter where you're at mentally in your recovery process, just if it comes to your mind, write it down. Go back through your life and write it down anew. Every time I do an inventory, even after all these years, every time I sit down to do an inventory, I don't do any deliberate editing. I start all the way back in my life and I just go over it. And if anything comes up, I write it down. That's how I go over the first three columns. And then I will part ways with them, sending them on their way with the reading of the third step, the third step prayer, and the instructions for the first three columns. And I'll say, when you're done with the first three columns, text me or call me, let me know, and um, we'll get together again and go over the pivotal part fourth column and the fifth and the sixth i would say maybe 80 90 percent of the time that's the end i don't hear back or such a long time goes by that i start to focus on people who are more engaged because i know the first three columns doesn't take long you can do the first three columns in an hour if you're really, really, really thorough. It does not take long. And usually people will say, you know, they'll they'll lollygag there. They'll they'll say, oh, I'm gonna do it, I'm engaged, I'm gonna do this, I'm excited, and then they won't do it. And I don't it's okay. But um part of my understanding of this is doing it right away. So if someone's not going to do it right away, I don't chase them. Sometimes, though, they will call me back, text me back an hour later, two hours later, that day, the next morning, and say, it's done. What's next? Then we'll get together, and we will read 66 through all the way up to 71. And I'll talk a great deal with them about looking at it from an entirely different angle, fulfilling the first requirement of step three, that we be convinced that any life run on self-will can't be a success for anyone. We quit playing God. Everybody's spiritually sick, not just alcoholics. All these people on your fourth step are to some degree spiritually sick because they're human beings, just like me, just like you. Talk about this. And then halfway through 67, say, okay, now put out of your minds the wrongs they've done. Disregard the second column now. Forget it. Now describe your selfishness. Describe where you have made your relationship or your thoughts about you where you have been in the foreground, where you have come from some place other than love concerning this item or this person. Then when you're done doing that, I said, you can write 
lot. That's the Searching and Fearless Moral Inventory. This is where you're going to uncover your defects of character. This is where you're going to start to do that. We'll do this in column six as well. But then, bottom of 67, we'll read this about the fears. And the next writing thing will be to write down your fears. Says we put them on paper. What do we put on paper? Our fears. Even though we had no resentment in connection with them. And then it asks a rhetorical question that it does answer. We asked ourselves why we had them. Wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? Yes. It goes on. It says, we just talked about this in step three. The reason you're afraid is because you're relying on you. Basically, you're living on self-propulsion. So just make a list of your fears. That's what I have the, my sponsees do. Write down your fears. That's it. Don't ask any questions. Don't dissect them. Don't just write down your fears. Just make a list of your fears. Write them all down. Simple as that. Spending a lot of time on them. I have not seen as something that's helpful to anyone. That's me. And if the book wanted to say a bunch of things about them, it would talk about that. But it does ask a question that it answers. Then we talk about, oh, by the way, also in column four, we talk about going back a little bit. Sorry. We talk about the tools they have us adopt where somebody offends us. We try and make real they're spiritually sick and ask God how we can be helpful. Not servile or scraping, not slave-like, but helpful. Retaliation and arguing is never helpful, according to the big book. So don't do that. And then we talk about, after we write down our list of fears, the bottom of 68, last full paragraph gives us that tool. When we are in fear, we ask God at once to remove it and direct our attention to what he would have us be. Talk about that. And I really talk about that with my sponsees, making sure they, you know, understand this, that this is not just an inventory. It's the adoption of some, you know, the application of some principles in daily life. Then we'll read the bottom of 68 all the way through. 71 we'll read about the sex inventory and what it says there is there's people on all sides of the spectrum here so avoid hysterical thinking or advice your sex power shouldn't be used lightly it shouldn't be used they shouldn't be despised or loathed or used selfishly it's between you and god and then it has us write down where our Conduct in this regard with our sex powers has been selfish. Have we been dishonest with this? Have we been inconsiderate? Have we hurt people? Have we unjustifiably aroused jealousy, suspicion, bitterness? And then it says, where are we at fault and what should we have done instead? And write that down too. And then the tool that they give us to start practicing is we subjected each relation to this test. Is it selfish or not? 
having just learned that fear is a manifestation of self, I had made a lot of decisions in my relationships that were based in self because I was with them out of fear. Fear of confrontation, fear of being alone, fear of not meeting somebody else, fear of what people might think. Self. So have them write all that down. Anybody you've harmed with your conduct, just write it down. Then I have them write it down even if it has nothing to do with the sex conduct. It just says, you know, we reviewed our own conduct wherever we hurt people. I just did that across the board. So there were people that were not on my resentment list and there were people that were not, that I had never had any sex, you know, relations or with, you know, never was an issue or never came up. It wasn't like that. But I, for example, if I stole from a store or something like that. So I wrote all that down. And that's it. That's how I do it. Right out of the book. Hopefully that helps. I want to give a shout out to Chelsea and Kelly. And give a shout out to Dave. And if anybody needs to hear it, I'll say everything is okay. And I do not know why my life was saved, but I am going to go try to live a life that was worth saving. And I hope you'll do the same.